This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Well, Happy New Year, locally created, nationally celebrated from the Northwest and the Southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm Nick Miles, along with truck girl Jen. And sitting in in the studio in this brand new year is John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report. Uh, A whole new year, which means we can look back at 2019 and see the cars that were our favorites. We're going to get a chance to do that. Uh, Jen, what was your favorite car of last year? The Rolls-Royce Wraith. <laughs> oh, that seems very strange <laughs> for truck girl Jen to be liking a Rolls-Royce. Does it come in a truck version? Ooh, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> you go like 10 cars now since she picked one that costs as much as 10 cars? Yeah, see? At least. You could have probably 10 Silverados for that price. Oh, at least. <laughs> at least. <laughs> well, that was one of my favorites. Uh, you got to drive that on the Run to the Sun event mm-hmm. this year. The Nissan GTR. Oh, yes, you do like that. Mm-hmm. I uh, I had some fun with that in San Diego this week. Did you? Uh, yeah, that was that's a that's an excellent piece of machinery. Okay, the new Vet, which I haven't driven yet. No, I don't think uh, many people have driven the new Vet. I did mm-hmm. see it on display at the San Diego Auto Show. And, I saw uh, that cute little picture had, on uh, Facebook. It was a weird color. <laughs> looked like, I don't know. I was going to say something that was probably not. Uh, official, you know, you're not allowed to say it because the FCC yeah. would ban it on the radio, but <laughs> it was a little troubling. What was uh, yours? What was your favorite? Uh, uh, um, this is a tough year because I think some of the vehicles that stood out were pretty pedestrian-esque like the Telluride, the Palisade, Kia Telluride, Hyundai Palisade. They were pretty outstanding vehicles. Um, Dodge hitting it out of the park again with a new wide-body Hellcat yeah, uh, or wide-body ch- uh, Charger. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jeep, the new Gladiator, the the uh, the Wrangler with the uh, mild hybrid—that's pretty incredible. And the, the Sky Touch roof. Uh, there's just so much. There's so much. Okay, uh, but if you could have one, which one would you pick? Of out of all these cars, driven? probably the Supra, Toyota Supra. Really? I was told I couldn't have one at home. Uh, my hand smacked and told me you can't we have too many cars how about you john that is a great choice the supra would be on the top of my list the gladiator would be uh, right up there right see they're all great vehicles if I you know. had to own one jen so thinking about the pittance you get paid from the radio station uh what would you own <laughs> well i'd have to walk <laughs> uh, anyways what would you do on your salary what would you buy you know it's tough like I said, I'm in a spot in my life where I don't have anybody else I need in the car, so a two-seater would be perfect. Okay. Besides my trucks. Would I it mean. be a Supra then? No. Good Corvette, wouldn't it? No. See, no? No, not a Supra. Would it be a Corvette? Might be. C8? Yeah, the new one. $60,000. engine. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, I'd have to get a couple jobs for that. <laughs> yeah, but the trouble is, too, the one you're going to want is going to be way above 60000 Oh, of course. Have you like ever gone online? And then you get to pick what you want. Build it? Yeah. That's and it's just... always like double the price you thought it was going to be? Oh, triple. Yeah. <laughs> there are fantastic incentives right now on the current VAT. Yeah, there is. Mm. I'll think about that. <laughs> I've, not you, been, I, I've not been a fan of the VAT until this new one. And well, I'm not sure I'm a fan yet. 
Well, so. I'm having a hard time being a fan of the new one. I really? like the current one a whole lot. The new one doesn't seem like a vet to me. No, it's definitely an yeah, evolution, not a revolution. Is. No, it's basically a revolution, not an evolution. Sorry, the other way around. So it's a it's a revolution, not an evolution. So it went from a sports car to a supercar. Definitely in the construction. It looks much more like a Lamborghini. The hood disappeared. That long hood the vet was known for mm-hmm. since 1953 is gone. It's become a short, stocky hood, just like a Lamborghini. It does have a lot of features like that you'd expect Ferrari. to see in a, a yeah, a lot of features you'd expect to see in a Ferrari, Lamborghini, even a McLaren. The the air tunnels around the side of the doors, but at a much much better price. Well, well the, the, here's the deal. Yes, definitely a better price, maybe half what you would pay for one of those supercars, but again, not driven a high-performance one. So I don't know. I think the sides really look like an NSX. The, I think it has features of all of those yeah, vehicles. Yeah, it does, in. and I think that's cool because it's like a blend. And a designer from an Italian sports car brand would actually tell you that these aren't specific to any one brand. They're specific to Italian sports cars mm-hmm. uh, just as a whole. So Bugattis and those type of things, they always have that. Uh, it has a lot of those feelings. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. All right, John, you tell us to tell us your personal-ish choices or yeah. US, U, U.S. News and World Report's personal-ish choices. No. Well, if I tell you U.S. News's personal choice, it would be <laughs> the Honda CRV. All right. I mean, that's just about as sensible as you can get. Exactly. That, that's not drinking on New Year's Eve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about your personal of everything that you've driven this year? Can you tell us that? Uh, Supra and Gladiator. Nice. Yeah. Okay, you stick with those two. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. The Supra is interesting. So I had the Supra on loan at the same time as the GTR. Mm-hmm. And I really want a Supra. I like it. I mean, GTR I've driven for years. It's What has it been out? Six, eight years, something like that? Forever. I'm, yeah. I've, I mean... The current sort of model. I mean, you can go back fifty years if you if you go go to previous versions of sports cars from Nissan. But I look at it now, um, and it's a great vehicle. But you know, it starts. I think the, the cheapest one you can get is like one hundred and ten, one hundred and twelve thousand yeah. dollars. So it's definitely out of my price range. But the Super really isn't because they're all about fifty thousand dollars. It absolutely isn't out of my price range. The thing is, I had them both on loan at the same time, and we had them parked here at the radio station. Mm-hmm. Like Jen drove the uh, the GTR yeah. here, and I drove the Supra. And people were driving in the <laughs> parking lot taking pictures of the GTR and not the Supra, and I was wounded by that. <laughs> wounded. Well, that's how I was when I had the Gladiator. People, like, chased me down right. to see that vehicle. Right. Well, it's so unique. You know, it has that unique look that you don't see every day. The ride and drive in that, which was in Sacramento area, uh, we went out of Sacramento into some of the desert and off-road areas there. Uh, We got trailed by two or three guys in Jeeps who were in Wranglers that decked out Wranglers, and they were following us, taking pictures. And there was like... 10 or 12 of them on the road at the same time they're going not it was it was like christmas happened way way early for them uh the car is getting or the truck is getting loads and loads of people taking pictures of it so anyway all right well that's what we think has been good last year that's going to be the theme of our show as we continue our auto expert today we're going to take a look at the top three picks of luxury sedans Uh, perry stern going to join us for that we're going to look at what's changing for 2020 as far as registration fees and costs to register your electric vehicle is concerned john's going to tell us his top five picks for suvs we're going to look at brian armistead telling us the evs what did we forget to get on our christmas list and Roman Micah from the Fast Lane Truck talking about the best trucks. Plus, 
Anton Warman joining us as we continue our brand new year with our auto expert. You're listening to our auto expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all the past shows, see automotive videos, and read insider car stories about your next ride. You'll find them all at ourautoexpert.com. One of the people you can read at that website is Perry Stern, and Perry's joining us on the phone to talk about the top three picks for his luxury sedans of the year. Um, Perry, did you drive a lot of luxury sedans in 2019? I drove a reasonable number of them, but uh, not enough. These right, three definitely stood out. No, you never drive enough luxury cars. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about them, starting with your number three on the list. So my number three was the Mercedes AMG GT sixty three S, which is a long name for a uh, what they call a four door coupe, but it is it is proper AMG. For those who don't know, AMG is the performance arm from Mercedes. And this car is as luxury, luxurious inside as it is ridiculously fast. Um, here's the deal with this vehicle is that uh, Mercedes, I had an argument with Mercedes-Benz about this this year. And one of the things that they said was um, there is no, uh, there's no such thing as a, uh, you know, a four-door not sedan. They have four-door coupes. And I believe a four-door coupe is something that doesn't exist because we've always seen coupes as two doors. But now they're calling the roofline a coupe, and they're choosing to call their four doors a coupe. So what's your what's your belief on well, that? I still think of it as a sedan. A four-door is a sedan. But as we go through some of my other picks, I break my rules as well. Um, <laughs> and they're even calling SUVs coupes now, too. So, I mean, I think the, the name has kind of lost its meaning. Um, but the nice one with this is because it's a four-door, you get that look of the coupe and you get the ridiculous performance, but you also have an incredible luxurious interior. You've got seat massagers, uh, you know, the best leather interior. It's, it's a proper top-of-the-line Mercedes with an amazing powertrain. It has an option of these strange, solid wheels, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, they're wheels. They're very similar to what we've seen on the Mybox. Um, and it's very interesting uh, when you're driving it. There are some people that absolutely love them and some people that absolutely hate them. I'm not one who loves them. I could get along with them if I had to because the rest of the car is so brilliant. We should be clear and say that it doesn't actually mean the, the wheels are solid. What it means is the hubcats uh, uh, have very little openings in them, so they look solid. Or the, the wheel coverings, I don't know if they're really hubcaps anymore, the wheel coverings are solid. No, they're actually, the, the alloy wheels themselves are do look solid, I mean, from a, from a glance. But they're... Uh, they do have some vents in them, but it's it's not your typical multi-spoke wheels. I will tell you, there's two uh, things that definitely are, stand out. There's two things that are interesting about those wheels. First of all, I think they look better in black than they do in uh, in silver. But the other thing that's kind of interesting about them is somebody at Mercedes who's extremely high up and extremely senior hates them. <laughs> and they will they will talk about it saying, oh, they're so horrible. They're awful on the original Maybach and they're awful on this. I actually think it does make the car look pretty good. Uh, it makes it look unique. It, it and, definitely stands out. Uh, what else about the car is great? Of course, it probably has an AMG performance, right? It does. This one in particular has 630 horsepower, so it's very fast, all-wheel drive. Uh, you know, 
taking it for a drive, it's amazing. At any speeds you're going, you put your foot down and you get shoved back in the seats. And that's sort uh, of into so Dodge. It, it is a lot of fun to drive. That's into Dodge territory there with that sort of uh, the horsepower. Um, and I like that too because uh, people at the lights obviously want to race you when they see you have a nice car like that and they don't know you can overtake them. So that makes me feel good anyway. Exactly. It's kind of a sleeper car. Although it's not, not really. We would ever do that on public it. roads. No, no, of course we wouldn't do that, John, on public roads. We would we wouldn't only do that on no, private, private even uh, think on, of doing that. on a private freeway with private lights. <laughs> uh, all right, what was number two on the exactly. list for you, Perry? Uh, so number two is a car that just recently came out. It's the all-new or updated Genesis G90. And so Genesis is the uh, luxury brand from Hyundai, and they've just recently, in fact, it was just at the LA Auto Show uh, a couple months ago that they introduced this brand-new updated uh, G90, which is their flagship sedan, and they had a chance to drive it, and it's pretty amazing. Uh, so much room in the back seats. You can really stretch out. It's 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 almost a car that should be chauffeur driven. Uh, you've got video screens in the back seats. Uh, seats recline in the back, uh, and it's you know it it has a grill that some people don't like. I can definitely say it looks better in person than it does in the pictures. So I noticed that same grill is on the pictures that they released this week of their new SUV, which is coming this month. Exactly. So this is going to be the, and they had said that this is going to be the new look for Genesis. I wouldn't be surprised to see updated G70s and G80s coming with that same look. Uh, but like I said, it's at first it's a little startling. When we first saw it in LA, it was uh, not pleasant. But seeing it in person, it really does seem to work well with the car. I was it, at it the uh... help it stand out. I was at the San Diego Auto Show this week, and I saw it in person again. I had seen it in L.A. I think it does help that they have some really beautiful new color palettes as well for the vehicle, some really dark maroon metallics and things like that really make it stand out. But it does it does almost look like Rolls-Royce-ish. One of the things I think is super interesting about this vehicle is that, of course, they're part of the Hyundai family, and Hyundai built all their money on, from making steel. And originally, grills of Hyundai's and Genesis used to reflect the smelter that the steel was melted in. So they are the same shape as a smelter. They've obviously gone away from the smelter shape with this grill. So it's kind of a, it, they're breaking out of the mold of Hyundai. Just another reason to get further away from their beginnings, from their roots. So we keep talking about the exactly. grill. What we're not saying is <clears throat> the <throat> grill is massive. Yes, it is big. Um, how how it big? How big is that grill compared to, let's say, a BMW X7? It's bigger than a BMW uh, X7. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> I love the back end of the G90, though. The back end is the classiest in the luxury class right now. Uh, I, I, it know, is I, really nice. With I, the LED lights that stretch across, and I really like that they've now spelled out Genesis in big letters, uh, really trying to market the brand, which before they had a little logo that if you didn't know what it was, you didn't know it was a Genesis. Yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of what the uh, the rear looks like of the vehicle. I've had to pull pictures up online. Yeah, it, it, it is actually very handsome. Very handsome vehicle all the way around. Um, all right, let's get to the last thing on your list, Perry. What's, uh, what's the number one? What is the best luxury sedan for 2020 or 2019? So it's, it's really hard to talk luxury without talking Rolls-Royce. 
And yes, this is beyond the means of just about everybody, but it's still the nicest, luxurious car that I drove. And yes, it's a two-door. And so to counteract the four-door coupe, I'm going with a two-door sedan. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, so it, it all balances out. The yeah. Rolls Royce Wraith, of course, is their their sporty GT version of the vehicle. Uh, let's, let's, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It has satellite guided navigation, uh, transmission, satellite guided transmission. It has all of the Rolls Royce accoutrements hand built in about four hundred hours. It's a beautiful piece of machinery. Uh, before we run out of time, let's talk about the prices of all these vehicles from the number three to number one on your list, just to see where your head is as far as luxury. Is concerned. What are sort of prices of the uh, Mercedes AMG GT four door? Where are we talking money wise? So, if we're at the top of the line, the AMG GT sixty three S, which if you're going to buy it, that's the one to get one hundred sixty one thousand two hundred dollars. Ah, chump change. So, which shows you what a bargain the Genesis is, because even though they haven't announced official pricing, the top of the line Genesis G ninety starts around seventy five grand. All which, right. For what you get in that car is pretty phenomenal. Uh, but then you go to the Rolls-Royce, and the Rolls-Royce Wraith black badge that I had a chance to drive, I believe that starts at about $470,000 or so. Ah, so five Genesis G90s. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, All right, well, let me ask so, you this. You know, this is the price is no object. I want one of those. Right, let me ask you this. If price was an object, which one would you buy? I think, uh, given what, well, price was an object, probably the Genesis. I think it's probably the best value for the money. Knew it. uh, For a luxury sedan. I knew it. Perry Stern, thank you for joining us, telling us your top luxury picks for 2020 as far as sedans, or 2019 as far as sedans are concerned. Uh, Coming up, we'll have more Our Auto Expert. You can read Perry's stuff at OurAutoExpert.com, and you can follow us on all the social media channels. You're listening to the R Auto Expert Podcast. Locally created, nationally celebrated, all the way from the northwest to the southeast. This is our auto expert. Uh, you can also check us out online at ourautoexpert.com. You can check us out on your smart speaker. You can check us out on your phone. You can download the podcast. You can see all the videos from various TV segments that we do around the country. There is a lot of information about cars. Some of the information is very complicated, and we're going to try and make it even more complicated for you because our listeners, uh, depending on what city you live in, may be paying more money for your electric vehicles. If electrified or electric, plug-in electric, hybrids, uh, things are changing for 2020, and there are new state taxes, there are new state registration fees, some car companies on a federal level will be losing, Uh, Tesla is ramping down. It's uh, its incentives for its vehicles. Is it zero now, John? It's zeroed out now. All right, zero as of January first. I believe so. All right, so uh, Tesla, you know, people are losing because they've uh, produced so many electric vehicles. So uh, things are changing. Illinois, as of January first, twenty twenty, EV owners will now have to pay the new year uh, the registration of two hundred and fifty one dollars. Which, uh, you know, I just registered my Nissan Titan brand new truck. It was $358. So, I mean, I'm... Do you have to pay that every year? No, that was just okay, registering so a new vehicle. Okay, so this is every year. 
Right, and to be honest with you, how much money are you going to save? Are you going to buy 75 cents on, on, on gas? They don't get any gas tax. I can see why they're putting up the registration fees in somewhat. Well, if it's because a hybrid, they're still right, getting state, gas tax. State doesn't get as much Correct. money off the gas tax. And how much money do you save by having a hybrid? Probably a lot more. Well, look at so. it this way. If you have a car that gets 48 miles per gallon, mm-hmm. it's going to pay half the gas tax in the same distance as you've driven as a car that has 24 miles per gallon. Right. You know, I, I get it. I mean, I get it. There's there's still lots of arguments to be had over how much you can save and whether this is the right thing to do. I think that ultimately all these states are offering incentives, and I think sometimes these incentives are going to come out of this money as well. Uh, you have to register these vehicles where it's going to cost you more to register them, especially in Illinois. Illinois is not a really big state for electric vehicles. They're sort of on pace with the rest of the country. I know that um, states like Indianapolis are working really hard to try and electrify the state. They have uh, Blue Indy, uh, where you can you go, you drive through Indianapolis, you see all these new charging stations called Blue Indy. They're, they're doing the, the cars, a lot of electrified stations there. So there are some states that are really into it. Texas, I don't think I... I know one person in Texas with a with an electric car, uh, which is different. Washington State, the annual 75 fee uh, car tab fee for uh, electric charging stations uh, that, you know, it doesn't matter if you use it or not. You're going to have to pay that. I don't know if that's necessarily fair. Now, that's additional right. on top of your regular registration. So it's additional $75 a year. Yeah, the Washington fee, the way that it was presented doesn't make a lot of sense because they're charging it on just hybrid vehicles as well, and they're saying it's for charging station infrastructure, which normal hybrid vehicles cannot use. Right. Um, Only plug-in hybrids. And then Oregon has probably the most complicated law um, (laughs) because you can opt for this uh, certain plan where you report your mileage and you pay depending on the mileage you have driven. Uh, that's an option that you can get. You can get uh, free uh, for vehicles that get zero to 19 miles a gallon. The increase is $18 a year, bringing the registration costs of the passenger vehicles to uh, 60, $86. Um, then $122 for two years. Vehicles with uh, a rating between 20 and 39 miles per gallon would have a 23 annual increase, bringing that fee to $132 for uh, two years. Um, unfortunately, I'm probably going to be in the, uh, in the in the lower miles per gallon of the most of the vehicles that I drive, under 20 miles a gallon. I don't know about you, John. Um, well, <laughs> depending on how you drive, uh, well, I what it's rated at the, the window sticker, yes. Yeah, so uh, it it does really whack a lot of uh, people who live rurally in Oregon who have to drive big trucks for work. Uh, those type of things, they're definitely going to be in the lower levels. But it's not a huge amount of money. Um, and only an increase, a fairly $18 a year increase is not a huge amount. $23 is a year is not a huge amount uh, of increase. But still an increase. And we like to moan about the more money we have to pay for our vehicles because uh, it's our right as Americans to be able to drive vehicles. And on the flip side of all this stuff is, yes, you see some increased registration fees for EVs, plug-in hybrids and um, pure electric vehicles. But if you buy a plug-in hybrid or a pure electric vehicle, you're generally going to get some pretty hefty 
tax refunds that will offset those additional registration fees. Yeah, and I think plus, you know, your registration fee, depending on how the vehicle is registered, can often be tax deductible because if it's a business, it's a business expense. So you've got to look at it that way. Uh, I would just say uh, that we should be thankful. And, and they're probably losing more money in gas tax anyway because I'm not having to pay that now. Coming up, we'll talk about top five SUVs with John Vincent. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Uh, catch up with previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear the past show. You can see automotive videos. Just did a whole bunch of uh, auto show presentations around the country uh, on, on TV stations. And you can read inside a car stories about your next ride. You'll find them all at ourautoexpert.com. So this week uh, in the show, we are going over some of the best of 2019, looking at uh, some of the best vehicles that we have had. Uh, the chance to drive and evaluate and uh, John Vincent is here from US News and World Report along with Truck Girl Jen and we are talking about uh, the SUV category which now of course is the biggest category in car purchasing although sedans still make up a good chunk of the segment SUVs are where the money is absolutely yes they make a lot of money off SUVs and Americans love their SUVs. There is two big divisions about SUVs. There is the SUV, which is a true SUV, which is probably based on the truck platform or has remnants of a truck platform. Um, and that's what we would call the original sport utility vehicle. And then there is the modern crossover, which has really uh, started its life as a sedan, now has been raised and has had the chassis beefed up some to do slightly different things. And as the trend in car liking changes, so does the engineering. But understanding, it still takes some companies eight years to work through a car and work out exactly how it's going to look, how it's going to be. Uh, newer cars like Ford are trying to get that down to two years. They're at about four years right now. So if I go into a design center at Ford and say, at an engineering center and say, design me a new midsize SUV, they start today, they could have it on the streets in four years' time, which is pretty incredible. Or they could just change the badges and have it to you in a year. <laughs> <laughs> which sometimes, and I'm no, no finger-pointing at Ford, but sometimes people have done, and maybe still do. Uh, so you've been looking at the top five picks for SUV this year, and um, you know, being the fact that you're from U.S. News and World Report, it's pretty predictable what's at least in your one to three. Well, we look at very practical buying reasons um, when we make our rankings and reviews. And uh, yeah, so what what goes into it? Give give us a sort of a flavor of what you would look at. So our reviews are based off the consensus opinion of America's top automotive journalists. Okay plus quantitative data on predicted reliability, safety, and a number of other factors. All right. So we come up with rankings for every vehicle, every major vehicle in the marketplace. And uh, if you go to USU's US News and World Report, you can see those rankings, presumably. Yes, you can see those rankings for new cars and used cars going back almost 10 years. All right. So let's talk about you have the top five here that you've picked out that were around last year. Uh, the 2020 Honda CRV is in your number five spot. Uh, that is the most predictable one I could imagine. <laughs> it's just a rock solid vehicle right. that does everything that most consumers want a crossover to do. And finally coming out with a hybrid this year as well. Finally coming out with a hybrid, which will certainly uh, 
be well accepted in the marketplace. Yeah, I saw it at the San Diego Auto Show over the new year, and uh, it looks great. I mean, there's not not a massive change. Some some technology updates, uh, you know, a few tweaks here and there, but it's exactly what you'd expect from Honda, plodding along in a solid direction on a solid line with solid results. Exactly. It's definitely vanilla, but a lot of people like vanilla. Now, uh, talking about that segment, that that midsize crossover, I guess it's a compact, compact crossover. crossover. Talking about that segment of compact crossover, the, the, the RAV4 is in that segment. Uh, which is the number one seller? Because I think it used to be the CRV, but I think the RAV4 outpaced it. I believe it? the RAV4 has outpaced it. Um, so that's sort of America's favorite, but it is the newer vehicle too. It's interesting. In Toyota's lineup, the when we think of hybrid, we always think of Prius. The uh-huh. Prius is no longer the top seller um, of their hybrid lineup. It's now the RAV4 hybrid. Depending on how you look at uh, hybrids, too, uh, technically the Ram 1500 is the number one hybrid in the country. If you're looking at eTalk. If you're looking at <laughs> eTalk, mild, that's mi- right. Mild hybrid, uh, they sell about, uh, I think, about 200,000 of those last year. Um, or so of the V6 engine, which has the uh, the mild hybrid in the transmission. And I think Prius is selling about 50,000, which is quite a jump. Uh, so the CRV sitting at number five in your swap because it's solid, because it's reliable. But they have a pretty good safety rating as well. They have the ACE body structure, they have the Honda sensing. Uh, mo- most of these modern cars have outstanding safety. And most models come with their whole suite of active safety features. All right, so interestingly enough, on to number four of your list is the, is a hybrid. It's the Toyota RAV4 hybrid. It is. Uh, the RAV4 was redesigned last year, and the new model is much more interesting, much more fun to drive than the old model. And the best one in that lineup is the hybrid. I think uh, one of the things that makes me excited about the RAV4 now, I think they're selling about 450,000 of these every year, is the fact that Toyota, which were a very vanilla company, I mean, uh, maybe 15 years ago, I'd have called them pretty soulless cars, even though they were absolutely undefeated in reliability and resale value. But they have kind of developed, there's, there's a little bit of character coming out of these cars now. Orange dashes, two or three tones on the inside, some vibrant colors on the outside, uh, they, you know, cladding, the sort of things you wouldn't expect from a Toyota. Yep, and every RAV4 now comes with features like adaptive cruise control, automatic emergency braking, lane keeping assist, the full suite of active safety features. The, you know, Toyota were a little slow on the start to get a lot of this technology in their vehicles, the Safety Sense 2.0, uh, those type of things, which uh, that thing does things like sees pedestrians in low light and has bicycle detection and full stop and all those type of things. That was a little later than a lot of the competition, yet, again, five-star body rating, all of these things that they have is constant with the Toyota with Honda. And now Toyota leads the industry on number of cars with those that come standard on all models. Which I like. And I know that Nissan are trying to do that too and make sure that they have front collision, uh, full collision braking and all that sort of thing as standard on every one of their cars. The domestic automakers really lag in that area. All right, let's talk about number three on your list. Uh, Number three on my list is one that I can see in my driveway maybe in the next year or so. It's the 2019 Acura RDX. So this is, you know, made by uh, Acura, which is 
uh, Honda's um, premier company. They're, they're, I wouldn't call them a luxury company, but they're a premier or order version of a Honda. They would call themselves a luxury company. I know company. they'd like to. Um, and the RDX is pretty much the same size as the uh, Honda CRV, but it has a lot more intuitive features. And a uh, very, very much stronger engine. Uh, I do still find it very hard with two things in this vehicle. One is they took the NSX drive mode button and stuck this, stuck this massive big fist-sized button. It's not maybe quite that big, but I like to exaggerate a little bit. Fist-sized button in the middle of the dash, which just seems just unnecessary. There is that, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is you either love or you hate the touchpad. And it's a slightly different touchpad in the center console, whereas where you touch it on the pad is where your finger appears on the screen, whereas like the Lexus touchpad, you're used to putting your finger down on the pad and then sliding your finger around uh, to get somewhere. It doesn't quite work the same on the, on the Honda or the Acura version. Yeah, it's a very interesting system um, that I think owners would learn to be able to use very efficiently and safely. It's better than a lot of them out there, but not as good as the best. I think a lot of things that frustrate us about vehicles, I get frustrated with the transmission in these vehicles because it's a push-button transmission, which I'm fine with in Lincoln and I'm fine with in uh, GMC because I can see the buttons up on the dash. But when you put them down low and then Honda and Acura have this idea of every button is different. So you should be able to feel your way around and know which button you're pressing. And I feel like it's the salesman at the market that says, I have this wonderful bathroom set where every piece is different. <laughs> uh, you know, it feels a little bit like uh, hodgepodge. I, I own a Honda vehicle with the push-button shifter system, and you get used to it, and it's second nature at this point. Yeah, I think it's just because we're in them for a week. All right, that's your number three. Number two on the list. Is the is not a 2019 vehicle. It's just came out as the 2020 Hyundai Palisade. I think this is a good choice. I think uh, this vehicle is an outstanding piece of machinery. I think it's going to also turn the uh, industry upside down. And I'm glad that your number one and your number two is in this position because it's the way I feel about them as well. I think this is more of the sort of Lexus-style uh, vehicle. It's very roundy. It's it's huge three-row. It's a full-size or uh, a full-size SUV. It's we consider it a three-row mid-size, uh, and it replaces the three-row Santa Fe. But it, it seems much bigger and much more bulky than the three-row uh, three Santa Fe. I think they did a really good job with this, the technology, and, and especially some of the thought that goes into this vehicle. Uh, for instance, when you tow with it, it has a self-leveling mechanism at the back so you don't wear the rear tires out. So when you hitch something onto the, onto the, to the uh, hitch at the back, it actually thinks about things to keep the vehicle level. So your headlights are pushed down, they're not pointing in the air because you have a heavy load behind you as well. So there, there was a lot of thought that went into this vehicle and the usability for anybody that might own it. And it's a vehicle that's loaded with technology, but also comes with that great Hyundai five-year, 60,000-mile basic warranty and 10-year powertrain warranty. Uh, the one thing about this is the price, too. They are getting expensive. They're, they're less expensive than they were than a lot of the competition is, though, right? They are less expensive than the competition, but that does not make them inexpensive. Right. So we're talking a starting price around $30,000, but probably wouldn't own one less than forty-five. Well, less than forty. 
Yeah. All right. Less than 40. Depends on how, how your taste is, what you have to have, what boxes you have to have checked. And then its sister vehicle is in your number one position. It is. And I like it just a little more. It's the uh, 2020 Kia Telluride. Uh, I do. I agree with you. I think it's a better vehicle. I think it's better styled. It's very similar, of course, in every way because it's really the same vehicle under the skin uh, with some tuning modifications and some technology modifications and uh, slightly different skin over it. Um, but I, the front end is more Land Rover-esque, I think, in the Telluride. It, and the whole vehicle just kind of has a slightly tighter feel to it. I like the, the grab handles in the center console. Uh, it's, it feels a little bit more like I would be happy to get mud in the Telluride than I would in the Palisade. Uh, the only thing I would tell you about the Telluride that I don't like, uh, I think the Palisade does a better job, is the rear lights. In the Telluride, they are very weird. Very weird rear lights. They're this sort of uh, just strange. They don't look like they're in the right place. Uh, I'm sure that'll get modified in, a, in when they do an update uh, mid-cycle refresh. Yeah, for me, it's kind of you know looking at older car companies. The Hyundai is the Buick to the Telluride's Pontiac. Okay, I could go with that. I could go with that. Uh, out of all of these five vehicles you've talked about, which one would you own? Telluride. See, exactly the same as me. Um, I think next week, next week we're announcing our vehicle of the year, and I think the Telluride's in the running for it. So um, we'll we'll have more about that on next week's show. But uh, we've evaluated these over the whole year, and some of these vehicles, and uh, it's a strong contender. I I only, the there was only one thing that I didn't like about it, which is the the Telluride is the side mirrors. For someone who is my height. You can't. How tall are you, Jen? Well, not to, not this again. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you have a hard time. No, with, come on. With I mean, the people pillar, in radio can't see you. With the pillar and how, the way the, Jen, the mirror Jen, is. Jen, how tall are you? Four uh, eleven and three right. quarters of an inch. Now we have a better vision. Anyways, that's my only downfall. You and know? you know, twenty twenty is going to be a great year for SUVs. We got a lot of great stuff coming out. Yeah, there it's is exciting. We, we can talk about that in a, in a future show as well. You know, um, I don't, do they make a front booster steep for that? Okay, let's not yeah, go. Coming up, we're <laughs> going to have a lot more, a lot more stuff on our auto experts. Stand by for uh, new truck picks for 2020. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, now she celebrated from the northwest to the southeast. This is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it online on air on mobile and smart speaker this is our auto expert i'm your host nick miles along with truck girl jen in the studio with us all of today's show is john vincent from u.s news and world report uh, we're talking about what 2020 had to, or 2019 had to offer uh were they 2020 vehicles were they 2019 vehicles it sort of depends on when the new vehicles came out uh, joining us on the phone is brian armistead he of course is an automotive writer you can read his stuff at the detroit news and many other outlets across the country we asked brian to pick out his three evs uh that i think he thought were the best evs of last year so brian uh did you drive a lot of evs in 2019 or uh, sort of the same amount as as other other years well pretty much the same amount as other years mick but i do have to take issue with your statement saying if it has a throttle we're going to review it because in this case it has to have a real stat to review it if you know what i mean <laughs> well I, I guess you still would call that pedal a throttle right well, 
you know, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Just and you can't call it a gas pedal because that would be wrong. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I had a chance to drive a lot of really cool cars this year, and uh, I was asked to give you my top three. So here we go. We'll start with number three, and it's the Nissan Leaf Plus. 226 miles of range with the extended package. You have to get the extended package because the regular Leaf, 155 or so miles, and you get range anxiety pretty quickly. Where you know where you go to the mall and you feel like you're going to run out of juice. Terrific buy, thirty six five fifty is the price uh, with the extended range package. And we'll talk a little bit about some honorable mentions after I give you my top three. Number two, Kia Nero EV, thirty eight five uh, out the door, two hundred thirty nine miles of range. People fail to realize that even though it's as pricey as a Tesla Model 3, you get a 100,000-mile warranty with the car, and it's just a sensational little hatchback. You can put a lot of gear in it. It goes like stink. It's uh, got the warranty, and it's kind of a sleeper. You know, you're not screaming EV like you are with Tesla. And, uh, of course, Nick um, and John, my top model for this year, has to be a Tesla because they sold... Uh, I know, I know, I know. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. What was your favorite? What was your favorite part about the Nero? Uh, just the fact that I don't know. I fit well. I, it was the fit and finish was terrific. I just think that everything in it was was a uh, was a great melding of all the resources necessary to make an electric car a daily a great daily experience. Okay. All right, and, and then tell us again why you picked the Tesla as number one. <laughs> Come on, you better have a good okay, argument. Okay. It, it probably wasn't know, the fit and finish. No, it wasn't the fit and finish, but they sold 140,000 of these last year. And, you know, for your 38, for your 32,690 up to 49,690, depending on which package you choose, performance or range, you get a sizzling 3.2, uh, uh, 0 to 60 time, 310 miles of range. And it's just, you know, it's, it's like a cult. I mean, every you see Teslas everywhere. They look good. I know they don't have the best fit and finish. That would go to cars like the uh, Volkswagen E-Golf, which is one of my honorable mention vehicles, which has superb fit and finish, but just has 125 miles of range. Now, the e-tron is another strong contender, but it's just so expensive. It's, you know, it's a $50,000 vehicle. Then you get into the niche vehicles like the um, Jag I-Pace and Porsche Taycan. Now, also on my honorable mention list, Chevy Bolt, 259 miles of range, but too small in an SUV world. I don't want to be beside an Escalade in a Chevy Bolt. So there's just a lot of good stuff out there. But I think that these are the top uh, three models that I would choose for for 2018. There were 100, and uh, like I said, 140,000 Model 3 sold, 361,000 electric cars sold in 2018, which is about 1.15% of the $17.3 million sold uh, in model year 2018. So still a very small percentage of the population don't have the infrastructure needed. China has over 300,000 charging stations. We have less than 100,000 charging stations. So again, you know, the debate between whether electric power is clean because a lot of it's coal-fueled. You know, there's just a lot lot going on with the debate. Uh, I would encourage you to go out and test drive one of these vehicles and remember that um, incentives vary based on uh, your state to state, your, you know, where you live, state to state, but also you have federal rebates available for an electric car purchase. So that can really help with the price of these vehicles as well, uh, Nick and John.
Um, let, let me ask you, do you think 2020 is going to be a much broader year to choose from? Because it seems like there's a lot of electric oh, vehicles yeah. coming oh, out this yeah. year. Oh, man, it's like, you know, we're about to take the uh, cap off the bottle. You've got the Rivian pickup with its four-wheel donuts. You've got uh, the, uh, the Tesla space pickup truck that's going to come out. Uh, you know, the Taycan will be in full production with its turbo turbo variants and its, you know, rear-wheel drive variants. Uh, the South Koreans are bound to make steps, you know, Kia and Hyundai, they're bound to make steps forward as well as the uh, Japanese brands. And the Europeans will always be in the fight because they refuse to be outdone, even though they're being outdone at their own game right now. So I see 2020 and beyond as a real bellwether for uh, electric vehicle sales, if the federal incentives stay in place and if state incentives stay in place and if the infrastructure can be, you know, it continues to evolve. I mean, I, I think they're a gas. You, you press your foot down and you go like stink. Uh, it's cool to get, you know, the equivalent of X number of miles per gallon over uh, gasoline powered uh, engines. And, you know, it's, it's good. It's going to be good for the economy as long as the United States develops wind power and solar power and clean sources of energy. Do you think the Tesla Model Y will make a big dent in the industry in 2020? Uh, not sure. Uh, not sure about that. I think Tesla will continue to have a stranglehold because people, they're, they're disciples of Elon Musk. Anything he builds will be uh, will be successful, I, I believe. You know, Model X sales are up. Um, Model, the, S, the Model S continues to be a strong seller. So uh, to go back, I would say yes. Anything that Tesla builds right now, I think will have a strong foothold in the market, Nick. Uh, I think you're probably right at the same time, too, though. this I'm, I'm going to predict right near, right now, put a flag in the sand and say, this is the last year that Tesla are probably going to dom dominate as much as they have. I think you're going to see much more competition. We've got the Mark E coming out. We've got all these different vehicles oh coming God. out. It's going to be a busy year. It's a good car. Brian, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all past shows, see our automatic videos, and read inside the car stories about your next ride. You'll find them all at ourautoexpert.com. We've talked about luxury vehicles for last year. We've talked about SUVs for last year. We've talked about EVs from last year, and we've talked about sedans. But there's one category that's missing. And uh, he's going to fill that hole for us, hopefully. Roman Micah's here from the Fast Lane Truck to talk about some of the top picks for trucks for uh, last year. Uh, Roman, there was a lot to choose from. You know, this was 2019 was a great year for trucks. If you're a truck guy or gal out there, this was the year to be alive, man. Nick, we had a great year. All kinds of new trucks, all kinds of cool new trucks. All kinds of cool new work trucks, everything from the working man to the plane gal. It's all happened in 2019. Trucks have sort of gone from this utility vehicle that was made for people who needed to haul sand and lumber and work at building sites. And they've sort of have two very strong new uh, uh, segments, I guess you would call them. One is for those people who like to haul things like a fifth wheel and their toys and to, to have adventures in, like overlanding, that type of thing. And the other one is for those people that are using trucks as their family vehicles. And those two categories are actually 
actually starting to really make quite a dent in uh, the amount of sales of trucks too because some people now using their vehicles as a family vehicle rather than just a utility vehicle. You're absolutely right, Nick. And the other thing that happened, which is sad but true, is, you know, in America, once upon a time, we used to build really great luxury cars. And the Germans came around and, in a sales perspective at least, did us better, right? Mercedes, BMW, Audi kind of took over that luxury car segment while Cadillac and Lincoln kind of fell asleep at the wheel. And then the fuel crisis hit and the Japanese came along and did economy cars better. But the one thing that we still do is trucks, you know, and so if you want what is now a truly American car, you go for a truck. Nick. And I think that's a lot of ways and a lot of reasons that people are buying trucks because it's like the last of the American vehicles. Uh, and I think it's a great choice for a lot of people because we live in a very big country. You know, you can go from my house to Phoenix. I live in, well, just outside of Denver and make literally two turns, right? You take a right on I-25, take a right at Albuquerque, take a left at Flagstaff, and you've gone a thousand miles in a straight line. You can't do that in Japan. You can't do that in Germany, but you can do that in America. And that's why trucks are so popular because they're suited for this country. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the influence the Japanese are having on this now because it was sort of a they've had a small Toyota pickup truck you know in the fifties and sixties it did did relatively well but uh, they've never really outpaced the Americans at what they do best but now with the Tundra and the Titan although the Titan's quite far behind uh, America their their sales are creeping up they're now going to sell uh, you know Toyota going to sell. Uh, around 120,000 Tundras, the Tacoma, their, their mid-size pickup, their smaller pickup is actually still the dominant vehicle in that segment, uh, Ford getting back into that segment. So the Japanese are trying to play Americans at their own game. Yeah, you know, Nick, you, you put your finger on it, right? So trucks come in three different sizes. Mid-size, which is weird because they're small, and the mid-size truck segment is dominated by the Tacoma. Then you've got the full-size truck segment, what some people call it the half-ton. And the reason they call it the half-ton, by the way, is once upon a time, they could haul a half a ton, right? Now they haul a lot more. Um, that's, of course, dominated by the Ford F-150s, the Silverado, and the Ram. And you've got the heavy-duty trucks, which are um, three-quarter-ton or one-ton trucks once upon a time. And those, of course, are only built by American companies, Ford, uh, FCA, which is, I guess, American-ish. Uh, and Chevy. Uh, but yeah, you know, Japanese have taken a long-term view. So I think their thinking is, you know, people come into our dealerships and they start with, let's say you're a fan of Toyota, the Corolla, and then as their family gets bigger, they move up to maybe a Camry. And then eventually, if they need more hauling or towing, they'll get a Tacoma and then all the way up to the big Tundra. And they don't look at it as, well, let's see how many trucks we can sell this year. They look at it how many trucks will we sell in 10 or 20 years? And that's a good strategy. It's really worked for them. The other thing that's worked for them is uh, the Tacoma, which is, by the way, on my list of one of the top new trucks for 2020, the TRD Pro version, at least. That's built, for the most part, in San Antonio. So, you know, it's an Asian truck built right here in Texas. There is an emerging new category as well in trucks, which... I think will play a bigger part in the next year. We saw it with Toyota. Uh, sorry, sorry, we saw it with Honda and their Ridgeline, which is basically a Honda Pilot SUV where they put a truck bed on the back. So it's very much like a car. It's not really built to do truckish things, although it does do a little mo bit more dynamic lifestyling than um, than some of the uh, SUVs do. 
but now it looks like Hyundai are going to sort of enter this market with what they're calling the Santa Cruz. It was a concept about four or five years ago. Uh, we hear it's going to be actually manufactured. So these are really sort of three-row SUVs which are being converted into a truck bed. Yeah, you know, I call them lifestyle trucks, right? So I, the Ridgeline is certainly there. Uh, the upcoming Santa Cruz is certainly there. And probably even the Gladiator, right, the, the Jeep Wrangler that they turn into a pickup truck is certainly there. So these are these are trucks that people don't necessarily buy uh, for as much for their, you know, work truck needs as they do for fun or lifestyle, right? They like taking their surfboard in the back of a pickup truck. They like to go hunting. They like to go, I don't know, four-wheeling, right? And all these trucks kind of meet that lifestyle niche um, probably more millennial sort of niche. Um, yeah, it's cool. I love them. It's, it's one of my favorite segments in the truck business, uh, and they're just cool. I mean, the Gladiator, dude, is the only truck in America that can be a convertible. How cool is that? Yeah, no, it, it, they've done a great job with that vehicle, and it's definitely eye candy for everybody that sees it at auto shows or uh, sees it driving on the road. Let's uh, let's go through your list then, Roman. Top five picks for trucks for uh, last year. Uh, where are we and what's on that list? All right, well, we've already mentioned two of them. So we talked about the Tacoma TRD Pro, uh, which is their most off-road-worthy Tacoma. Uh, love that truck. If you're going to go overlanding, that is certainly going to be the truck that most people will choose. The other one that is on my list is the Gladiator, uh, you know, a Wrangler that's a truck. How cool is that? You can not only now go, you know, off-roading and wheeling, but you can put all your stuff in there or haul your toys behind it. Uh, the other truck that I'd love to mention, which is, Really cool is a new Ford F-250 Tremor. Now we're in the heavy-duty class, uh, and for a long time that was ruled by the Power Wagon, right? Power Wagon was the only real off-road-worthy heavy-duty truck you could get, but there was one problem with it, and that is you could not get it in a diesel, right? Heavy-duty trucks are mainly diesels because they're big, they're bulky, they're brawny, and people use them to tow. And Ford came along and kind of said, Take this power wagon. We're going to build an off-road truck. We're going to give it a slight lift. We're going to put off-road tires on it. We're going to give it locking discs, and we're going to get it to you in a diesel. So you got to love the fact that competition makes the breed stronger, and uh, I think that Ford did that. Now, talking is, about is the, old, is the Tremor a, a trim level of the F-250? Yes, the Tremor trim level. Okay. There was an FX4, and now there's a Tremor. Okay. Carry on. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. I just wanted to make sure I understood it. Yeah, no worries. It's 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 a direct competitor to the Power Wagon. Now, the on the other end of the spectrum, of course, is brand new Ram 3500 with the big old Cummins. Uh, it's a facelifted truck, but it will haul your house literally. <laughs> it's, it's an incredible truck. A uh, thousand pound foot of torque, uh, probably the best interior in the truck class. You've been in Ram trucks, Nick. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I think the interior, you know, they worked really hard on making this as something that, you know, for, for a long time, people that owned horses and had horse boxes wanted to tow uh, their horse boxes with something more luxurious. And uh, now the interior of these vehicles uh, have become more luxurious because they had a Range Rover doing it. Now they're, now they're looking at having, you know, something uh, like a Ram to do it. But they kind of up the interior to have sort of leather trim and piping and, and nice big carpets and uh, the 
the in the 3500 they had really nice sort of uh, electronics and those sort of things that weren't available anywhere else and they're sort of adding in everything so you didn't have to own a Range Rover. I want to talk about the rest of those vehicles that you have on your list and maybe get in depth to which one you might actually own for uh, 2020. When we come back we're going to take a quick break. If you want to listen to this show or other podcasts on the show you can go to ourautoexpert.com Robo Mike are back with his best truck of last year. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. We're talking about the best of last year as far as cars, trucks, SUVs, luxury cars, and uh, luxury vehicles, EVs. Roman Micah from the Fast Lane Truck is on the phone. He is the premier channel for trucks, the number one YouTube channel for trucks in the United States. Uh, so he is the expert to go to when it comes to trucks. Uh, Roman, our national uh, v- uh, national listeners would like to know uh, a little more about the 2020 Nissan Titan. Did it make enough of an improvement in this vehicle to make your list of top picks? You know, we just, it's funny that you ask about that because we just got it in the office on Friday. It just arrived on Friday and I did not have a chance to drive it. So obviously the uh, Titan lost the Cummins, which was their kind of tweener truck. It uh, didn't sell. The Nissan made a bet that people wanted a kind of a, a truck that didn't fit into those three segments that we talked about. Basically a, a full size truck with a diesel engine. Uh, and it didn't sell very well. So they went and they improved the Titans. They built them in Mississippi, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, they added more gears to the transmission. It is now the most powerful full-size truck. I think it's 405 horsepower you can buy with the right fuel. Uh, and they improved the interior, and they did something which is really great. They added their entire safety suite of safety items, you know, blindside, monitoring, uh, backup, uh, when you're backing up, it'll let you know if somebody's behind you. Uh, autonomous braking. I think uh, it. Really I, I haven't driven it. I think it is the. It, it's the only vehicle in its class that has forward and reverse collision avoidance, and it also has a yep. panoramic sunroof uh, with grab handles. Because a lot of people weren't able to put panoramic sunroof with grab uh, grab handles in there because the sunroof changed the structure of the uh, the roof itself, and they kept the grab handles, which I love because. A lot of times where my mom, who's a little old lady, wants to get into a truck and I'm driving it, she needs the grab handle to get Oh, my dad, for that matter, too, needs to get in with the grab handles as well. So it was it was nice to see that they, they kept those in there. It sounded a little bit, Nick, like you were saying, asking for a friend. Yes. Where we know that you're the one who needs the grab well, handles. Well, no, I mean, there's, there's no, sometimes I have to lift Jen into the truck, too. So no, not me. <laughs> I have lifted trucks, but yeah, everybody else. Uh, let, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Chevrolet and they they had a a pretty down year for them. They came out with a new Silverado a couple of years ago. It really didn't meet the mark as far as many buyers were concerned in looks. Uh, The interior definitely didn't meet the mark, and and they sort of whipped out an interior refresh that they promised in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, They've they've been design challenged, as we like to say, in the office. <laughs> they had some um, misses. Uh, but the one hit they did do, which is incredible, and I, I really, let me put it this way. When I was a kid, dude, uh, my dad had an LTD, Ford LTD, and it got about 12 miles to the gallon. Today, you can go out and buy a full-size pickup truck that gets almost 30 MPG on the highway, which is phenomenal. And GM did pull a rabbit out of the hat with the new 3-liter diesel. The ground-up, straight-six, 3-liter 
completely new design. Uh, he's probably driven it in yeah. either the GMC or the Silverado. Uh, phenomenal engine, great fuel economy. Didn't quite beat Ram on highway MPG, but came so close. I think I think like one MPG. Uh, and I think that is kind of the sleeper engine, sleeper truck, because you're going to see that power plant in the upcoming Yukon, I believe, in a lot of GM products. And it's a really strong contender. So if you were to ask me, like, what's the sleeper uh, truck of the year, it's got to be that uh, 3-liter. What are we going to call it? it? You know, there's a baby Duramax, which is a small, mid-size truck engine, and there's a full-size Dur- so the Mid-Max. Does that right. work? I guess. Uh, they also do do a lot with cameras in those vehicles as well, though. They probably have the best, oh God, uh, the so best right. camera yeah. system. Yeah, I mean, there, there, you know, there are more cameras in that truck than probably Khloe Kardashian has in her house, right? <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> they, did, they, did. they have this technology where you can actually see through the behind of, a tra- of, a, of, a, of your trailer, right? So uh, you put a camera on the back of the trailer, uh, and then basically when you look at it in that big infotainment display, it makes the trailer disappear, so you can see, you know, the guy that's tailgating you uh, that you normally would not be able to see because, you know, you've got this big trailer behind you. Really cool stuff. Yeah, they did a good job, I think, with that. All right, Roman, uh, in the few minutes that we have left, uh, tell me if you had to take your own money and buy a truck for this year, which one would you buy? Well, we just bought two of them, Nick, so that's a great question. We went and bought a Gladiator uh, because... Uh, how can you not? It's such a cool truck. It's expensive, uh, but in our world, um, you know, it's certainly one of the most interesting mid-sized trucks. It's brand new. It's going to be really fun to actually take it right. off-road right. Uh, and customize it. And then the other truck we just bought, which is another great new engine, I think kind of the swan song of the big block push rod V8. We bought the uh, Ford F250 with the new 7.3-liter <laughs> The, the Ford engineers are calling it Godzilla. Nathan calls it King Kong. I think Godzilla is a GTR. So I like King Kong. We're going to go with King Kong. I'd go with that. Roman Micah from the Fast Lane Truck on YouTube, the number one YouTube channel uh, for trucks. Go check him out. He's a great guy. They do great reviews. Coming up, we'll talk about CES and the cool things. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Welcome back to the show. Catch up with previous episodes of the show on our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can see the videos. You can listen to previous podcasts. You can watch all of our TV coverage. You can find out about new cars all at ourautoexpert.com, including reading some very interesting uh, articles on vehicles, trucks, SUVs, electric cars. Roman Micah is uh, is still on the phone with us. Roman, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the one truck that you would uh, let's say say is going to make the biggest change for this year. Well, we don't have Rome. All right, uh, all right. We'll carry on then. We, I wanted to also talk about uh, CES a little bit coming up, and CES uh, this year uh, has a lot of electronics. The Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. In Vegas this year, uh, a lot of interesting vehicles being revealed. John Vincent is with us from U.S. News and World Report. John, let's talk about uh, CES in general becoming a show which is much more about cars. It is. It started, you know, just being general consumer electronics, but now we've built it into this huge show that is as much a car show as any other car show on the calendar. Uh, a, A lot of tech based stuff. 
Um, there's rumors because a lot of car companies don't want to, you to know what they're doing, but Lamborghini will have a press conference. Uh, Fisker will have a press conference. Some people have already revealed their stuff. Some people are saying you can't talk about it until the event. And Mercedes is supposed to have a jaw-dropping uh, reveal and a jaw-dropping keynote speech, um, and they won't even tell us who's going to be at that keynote speech. But what we do know about the uh, the reveal is going to be the fact that reveals is going to be the fact that jeep are going to show off something which boy we've been asking for information in a long time and they've chosen ces to reveal it a jeep and ces it sounds like a weird marriage right but, it's more, uh, more of a sema thing for jeep uh, the the aftermarket show but the uh, consumer electronics show they've chose to reveal plug-in hybrid versions of some of their vehicles yes yeah, so this is uh, the uh, Compass and the Jeep Wrangler. And the Wrangler. Uh, and the Cherokee. Uh, this is a long time coming. <laughs> it is. They've been talking about these I don't vehicles. think the Cherokee is going to be plugged yeah, in. Yeah, it's it? supposed to. All right, well, I'll double check that. I'm okay. We need to check that one. But we do know there's going to be a Wrangler. We are, we're certain of that. Yeah. Uh, the Wrangler is the one thing we've been talking about for a long time. Yep. They've been talking about it forever, and we're finally going to see it. And it could be a segment changer. Uh, I think the problem with a lot of these vehicles is that they haven't been great in fuel economy. And so anything they can do to get the fuel economy better, um, you know, diesel is gr is a good way to do that. But, of course, there's quite a premium that comes with diesel because you have to have the ammonia spritzer in the vehicle to reduce the emissions. So it becomes expensive to put those systems in. Not so much as it does to maintain. It used to be uh, expensive to maintain an ammonia spritzer for a diesel vehicle, but now it's uh, considerably cheaper. But actually putting that in is quite expensive and quite complicated because the catalytic converters uh, in the back of those vehicles vehicles uh, take a long time. Well, and if you look at what many people use their Wranglers for today, it's a commuter vehicle during the week. It's an adventure vehicle on the weekend. So with a plug-in hybrid version, you can do most of your driving, most of your commuting on electricity alone. And then when you need that gasoline power, you know, off-road on the weekend, 100 miles from nowhere, it, it's got the the gasoline engine as well. Yeah, and I, I mean, I like that idea too. They don't seem to... Um, I know they they don't seem to do really. Uh, I mean, looking at some American car companies, you can get about 20 miles on the plug-in version of it, whereas uh, some of the Asian car companies you can do like 50 miles on the plug-in version of their of their vehicles. It seems like the the electricity alone portion of the vehicle still lags quite a bit. It does, but still, most people's commute is short enough that the electricity will cover it. And, and of course, it helps generally with fuel economy anyway, even if you are using the gas engine at that time. Yes. Uh, and off-road, the electric has a great benefit in low-end torque. Yes. It's instant low-end torque. Starting from a light. It's interesting to look at where fuel economy, uh, where fuel is used in a vehicle. So as you drive a vehicle, where does the most fuel get used? And, of course, when you get up to speeds under around 60 miles an hour and you travel at a speed for a long time, that's the best fuel economy you'll get in a gasoline engine. But stopping and starting is where you use the worst or the most amount of fuel. It's the worst fuel economy area. So sitting at a light, if you can feather your vehicle away from a light very lightly, you can actually really change the amount of fuel that you use. Most of us, that light changes, stomp on the gas. And, of course, you get up to speed and then you let off the gas. That's the worst portion of fuel economy. Thanks to these electric portions of the engine, that actually has the electricity flip in as you're at a standstill and to start the engine and to, co to go 
that's where you don't use as much gas, and it can save you huge amounts. And electric motors are very good at low RPMs, so they will give you that instant boost right off the line while the gasoline engine catches up. I think if you sit and uh, um, you have an instantaneous fuel economy in your car, it's an instantaneous uh, meter, and then you sit in your car at a light and watch how much fuel economy is as you leave a, uh, leave on the light. That that just makes your mouth drop. You're like, oh, I'm getting three miles a gallon as I pull away from a light. Yep, that's right. That's what you get. You just have to be a bit cleverer about it uh, and pulling away. So that makes a huge difference to that. Um, what do you think the uptake is going to be of these vehicles? Um, I'm guessing there's going to be quite a premium for there it. There will be a price premium. It will be a niche vehicle in their lineup. $57,000 is sort of the, the price, $59,000 for a Jeep Wrangler diesel. If you want uh, bells and whistles on that vehicle, that's, ex- that's extremely expensive. I think uh, the, 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 they've got to make it cheaper than that. They won't make it cheaper than no, that. No, see, th- that's going to be the problem. It's going, it's going to be much more of a emotional buy than a financial buy for most people because they're not going to save enough money for the premium. Well, remember, as a plug-in hybrid, it comes with a tax credit. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, and FCA still have tax credits available. Lots which, of them. Lots of them, which is, I think the Pacifica plug-in hybrid was the, oh, the Fiat 500 electric, which is now no longer. Correct. It's vanished. Uh, I do know that there are enough 500 uh, Cinquecentes produced that they have enough of it. They have a year's supply. <laughs> so uh, if you want to go buy one, they have a year's supply sitting at uh, dealerships right now. They'd be more than happy to do a great deal on one of those for you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about... Oh, so it's interesting that it's coming in other versions apart from the Wrangler. Uh, it's interesting that the Compass are doing it. And I think ultimately the the plan is to try and put this system in all of their vehicles, right? I think eventually you're going to see this system in most... FCA Maybe not the Dodges, but pretty much everything. Maybe some version of the Dodges, but not the high-performance version. Right. Of the uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Chrysler. Uh, you know, we've we've heard about this airflow concept that uh, they're going to have at the show. Uh, they, I remember 2006 at the Portland International Auto Show, they had something called the Imperial. I think. Uh, this is probably what the 300 became. That was an amazing vehicle. Um, it was sort of this sort of big 1950s looking presidential style sedan with uh, coach doors on it, but it never actually evolved. Um, I think it may have become the, the 300 at some point or some elements were taken out of it. So they're great at doing concepts. Dodge have a great history of concepts. But this concept, I'm not sure that this concept is a sedan or an SUV or what it is. It's one of those tweener things that has elements of a lot of things in it. And Airflow, the name of it, is a very historic name at Chrysler. Right. It is the first streamlined vehicle they made back in the uh, early 20th century. Now, Digital Trends are calling it a crossover. I'm not sure i necessarily agree looking at it uh the roof line may be slightly higher but the front end i mean it looks very porsche macan to me mm-hmm. guys well if you call it a crossover it can be anything right crossover <laughs> between a, it could be one percent suv and 99.0 percent car exactly <laughs> uh, i guess that that's a good way to look at it uh this is uh, i think a lot of nissans that have been done in the past have been very um 
futuristic with no likelihood that a lot of the stuff will actually make it into the car steering wheels that you know end up being buttons or uh, in just single so more like jet fighters uh, although interestingly enough looking at the new corvette c8 it does have a square steering wheel which is kind of interesting uh, but this this has a lot of stuff in it which could or could not possibly um, there's nothing outlandish here multiple screens those sort of things that we may start to see in vehicles well, we all know that Chrysler needs more models in its lineup. Right now, it has three. It right. has the 300, it has the Pacifica, and it has the Pacifica Light, which is the new Voyager. I think that they also um, will do these things. They have a, We know that, that the FCA have a bunch of new crossovers coming, but I think they're still two or three years away. I mean, the Jeep, we will probably see... Uh, I'm guessing a new Durango mid-cycle refresh this year. They seem to keep pulling something out of their hat with that vehicle. I know that Pacifica's due for a, for a remodel this year. Um, but there's, you know, we know that the Jeep Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer are coming from the Jeep side. But we have no real indication as to when. Um, New York's usually a big show for them. They usually roll out something that's jaw-dropping. I'm going to guess that's going to be the Pacifica and probably something with the Durango at the, the Chicago show in February. Uh, but I think it's unlikely we're going to see some of these crossovers, at least in the Dodge uh, Chrysler uh, wheelhouse, for another couple of years. And that's that's too bad because some of the models in their lineups are getting very, very old. Let's talk about uh, Fisker. Uh, they are coming out, you know, they they hadn't actually got a car in production, but yet they have another concept. Yes, they do. This one but, is called the Ocean. And it's an SUV, which is what people want. Uh, which is good. It's a good start. I hear that the interior is completely vegan. It was designed in California, so okay. naturally. Uh, recycled. I think the car is pretty much 99.9% .9 recycled. Or recyclable. Uh, which is which is which is good. Uh, I I think one of the things about this is is they have great great ideas at Fisker. Um, I'd really like to see something that you know. There's no dealer network. There's nothing. Yeah, we need to see a product. Uh, again, uh, Karma is is kind of doing well. They've started to get new dealerships. The they're, they're opening new dealerships around the country. They, they have cars in production. They're moving around California. They're coming out of California into other states with their electric sports cars. But Fisker doesn't seem to be quite where Karma is. And their solid-state battery was always what they based their vehicles on. Um, and uh, yet, after seeing the ocean, we, uh, we don't see a solid-state battery yet. yet. I love the roof on yeah. the ocean. Their solar panels. Yep. They, they do, cool. They're great. You know, he is a designer yeah, by, by trade. Henry it has Fisker. the California mode where you hit one button and it opens the roof and opens all the windows. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. I really like the ideas of this vehicle. I just want to see it produced. I just, yeah. uh, I'm not sure that they will produce anything. A lot of cool stuff. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Mercedes. You know, they have a big mouth dropper at CES revealing this car of the future. Um, it's exactly what Mercedes do really, really well. They are known for taking stuff to CES, which is just like, holy hell, that is impressive. And imp more, even more impressive is a lot of the stuff they show at CES, that technology makes it to the road. Yeah, um, although Hey Mercedes does need a little bit of a tweak because it does not understand my English accent. <laughs> Which, Nick, we don't understand your English yeah, You've been listening to two hours of you have no idea what I've been saying for the last two hours. That's, that's the sadness of this show. Uh, John Vincent from U.S. News and World Report, thank you for being with us. Uh, presumably, we can read all of your stuff at 
US News US News com. Yeah, US News.com. Truck Girl Jen, uh, thank you for putting the show together again. Of course, you can listen to previous episodes of the show by going to ourautoexpert.com. You can see all of our TV and our videos. Quickly, in the last 10 seconds, Jen, uh, money's no object. What do you buy right now? Oh my God, a Lamborghini. All right. Of course. John? Mercedes AMG GT. I think it would either for me be the Urus from Lamborghini or the Supra from Toyota. Those are my two. All right. right. You wish what you would buy soon and uh, send us a message on social media until next week. Ferrari would be nice too. All right. All right. (laughs) Pipe down. You've been listening to Our Auto Expert with Nick Miles. Find all the show episodes at ourautoexpert.com. Please follow us on all social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Our Auto Expert. And message us for a quick and witty response. Yeah.